0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture, and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by SlashFilm senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista hello all right so let's talk about some new stuff today chris let's get into it uh, first up matt smith uh, was originally cast in star wars uh, the rise of skywalker this was obviously many years ago and he ended up not being in that movie and there was a lot of confusion and sort of there were some rumors swirling about who he might be playing and uh in i guess in in support of last night in soho in which he stars he's been doing some press rounds and somebody asked him basically like what happened there? What, what was the story of his involvement or lack thereof with the rise of Skywalker? And he said that his, the planned role that he was going to be uh, taking in that film was quote, a big shift in the history of the franchise. And he basically just said like it was close, but it never ended up happening. He said, um, I think the thing that they were thinking of me for, eventually the part became obsolete and they didn't need it. So I never got to be in Star Wars. Uh, it was a really groovy part in concept. It was a big thing, a big story detail, a transformative Star Wars story detail. but it never quite got over the line. So we still don't know exactly he refused to to uh you know elaborate any further than that, so we're we're still left with a little bit of speculation about what that might be. But that's sort of um the idea that this could be a a transformative Star Wars story detail and a big shift in the history of the franchise. Is kind of interesting for for uh, Star Wars fans to think about. So, um, Chris, what do you make of this? Do you do you uh, do you have any speculation, any ideas, anything that you think uh, that immediately comes to mind that that Matt Smith may have been involved with here?
1: I've heard rumblings. I don't want to say what they are because I feel like they're probably correct, and I don't want to. He's he's obviously not saying it for a reason. So I'm just gonna guess. He meant the character Gulp Shido, who is. <laughs> Some, the Star Wars character someone made up as a joke name, and I, it makes me laugh every time I say it. So that's that's my suggestion. He's playing Gulp Shido. And, uh, but in all seriousness, I, uh, I'm i sure whatever version of the movie he was going to be in was probably better than the one we got, because, man, what a piece of shit that was, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I really... Um... I don't want to turn this into uh Ben and Chris dunk on rise of Skywalker for the millionth time on this podcast. Cause I know, uh, well, yeah, we've, we've done that. Um, I, I, you know, in the article that we uh, wrote on slash one.com that, that Jeremy wrote, um, he talks about how uh, maybe Matt Smith could have been could have been playing one of Emperor Palpatine's kids uh, like Palpatine's son or something. I'm not entirely certain how that would, Um, link up with what Smith was talking about in terms of like that transformative uh, aspect because Emperor Palpatine's son had a very, very small role in Rise of Skywalker. Um, But Jeremy speculates that maybe he's playing a a villain from deep Star Wars lore called Darth Plagueis, who is, uh, I guess that the, the sentence you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, the wise has become something of a meme in recent years, but uh, that, character i guess was was only mentioned in uh return of the jet or uh, i'm sorry revenge of the sith and he's basically this really powerful sith lord who was able to essentially like um master the art of death like like somehow in uh create life with midichlorians manipulate midichlorians to such a degree that he could save the lives of those close to him so um that sounds much more in line with like the kind of a. Uh, you know, big shift in the history of Star Wars kind of thing, because they haven't really, they they alluded to that character and, and those abilities, but haven't really, um, I don't know, explored them in, in great detail. So uh, that could be the answer. I'm not sure if we'll ever get the, the truth behind this, but interesting stuff for Star Wars fans to think about. I wonder what, what Peter and Brad might have to say about that. Um, maybe they'll talk about it on, the, on a future episode of the podcast or something. So uh, let's get into the next item here, which is a new project that is in the works from Bradley Cooper.
1: Yeah, so Bradley Cooper is forming a new uh production banner. It doesn't have a name yet, but he's forming it. And he already has uh a project lined up and it's an adaptation of Hyperion, which is uh a novel. It's actually a series of sci-fi novels by Dan Simmons, who also wrote um The Terror, which was turned into a really cool AMC TV show, which oh, is yeah. not sci-fi, it's horror, but he dabbles in a lot of genres and um, this is set. The, the books are set in the 29th century and they involve all sorts of like weird, weird stuff. I haven't read them, but just reading the synopsis where it's like, here's, here's, this, here's the synopsis on the world called Hyperion beyond the reach of galactic law waits a creature called the Shrike. There are those who worship it. There are those who fear it and there are those who have vowed to destroy it. In the Valley of the Time Tombs, and as an aside here, I love Valley of the Time Tombs, what a cool name, oh, were yeah. huge <laughs> brooding structures, where huge brooding structures move backwards through time. The Shrike waits for them all. On the eve of Armageddon, with the entire galaxy at war, seven pilgrims set forth in a final voy- voyage to Hyperion, seeking the answers to the unsolved riddles of their lives. Each carries a desperate hope and a terrible secret. And one may hold the fate of humanity in his hands. So, uh, like I said, I haven't read it, but that's a really cool synopsis. And, um, it also sounds like, like the really kind of like dense world building sci-fi, uh, of Dune. And I, you know, this is pure speculation on my part. I have no insider knowledge on this, but, um, while Bradley Cooper is producing it, it's set up at Warner Brothers, who also you know, released Dune. And there's a part of me that thinks that you know Warner Brothers execs looked at the Dune box office returns and were immediately like, all right, we need more weird sci-fi immediately because that's what people want. Because that's how Hollywood works. When something is a hit, immediately producers are like, all right, we need to make 10,000 different versions of this because that's what people <laughs> want. So I would not be surprised if... That was part of the conversation because this was actually originally in development as a series on on sci-fi the you know the, the TV network, and now they've moved it from that to a big movie. So I'm I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure that is the reasoning that they were like shit. We need more Dunes immediately, and this is. You know they had this on the back burner and now they're they're moving forward with it
0: yeah I haven't read those books either but that, that does sound really cool I'm I'm a little curious about this uh, new production company from Bradley Cooper because my in my memory uh if it, if it serves he teamed up with Todd Phillips the director of the um, the hangover franchise and the two of them had a production company for several years and and made a bunch of stuff um, together so I don't f- see Todd Phillips's name here at all. So maybe it sounds like Bradley Cooper is sort of striking out on his own. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I wonder what may or may not have happened there. And then also the idea of Bradley Cooper, who, you know, he, he made his directorial debut with uh, Stars Born not too long ago. And he seems like a... a um, I guess he's he's done the voice of rocket raccoon and the guardians of the galaxy movies but he's not like a, a huge sci-fi guy and this sounds like a like you mentioned like just a huge sprawling sci-fi project so it's sort of an interesting pairing uh on on that level as well so yeah um yeah i guess we'll have to wait and see what happens there um so you mentioned warner brothers uh hbo is is falls under that company's umbrella and there is, there's been some talk about David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, coming back to potentially make more Sopranos stuff. And now it appears that there's a slight disagreement over what form new Sopranos material should take. Tell me about that, Chris.
1: Right. So not long after uh, The Many Saints of Newark came out, um, it didn't do well at the box office, but it did really well. On HBO Max, and it also sort of reignited people's interest in The Sopranos. Like people started rewatching The Sopranos because of that movie. And uh, as a direct result of that, uh, Warner Media, which you know runs HBO, offered David Chase um, a new deal, a new contract to make more uh, new projects. And when that news broke, everyone immediately was like, "Oh, does that need more uh, Sopranos?" And then not too long after that, uh, Ann Sarnoff, who is a CEO at Warner Media confirm that they were definitely talking with David Chase about a new Sopranos prequel TV series. Um, So, uh, you know, we knew that, yeah, these conversations are ongoing, but now there's some sort of, there's a bit of a snag here because David Chase gave a recent interview where he revealed that while HBO wants him to do a series, he only wants to do a movie. He wants to do like basically like a sequel to, The many Saints of Newark with Tony Soprano set in his twenties. So it's not really sure how this is going to end up because he seems very uninterested in a TV thing. He would rather just do a movie and HBO clearly would rather have a TV thing. So I really don't know I don't really don't know where this is going to end up in the end, but that's that's where things are at the moment.
0: Do you know enough about David Chase as a personality to know if a, a difference like that might be something that he ends up? Just like throwing up his hands and walking away from this altogether. I mean,
1: I don't know the ins and outs of the deal and the contract he signed, but he definitely seems like the type of person who doesn't suffer bullshit. So I Mm -hmm. imagine like if they were like, you do this or you do nothing, he'll he'll be like, fine, I will do nothing. And I'll yeah, because I'm sure he has plenty of money to begin with. It's not about the money for him or anything like that, so. I'm sure he can comfortably sit back and do nothing like he's been doing for the last few years. So Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I'm one of those people who recently started watching the Sopranos for the first time. And uh, Chris, I just finished the second season and man, what a good show. I don't really have any, uh, you know, stunning insights, but um I, I'm really, I, I just like, I think about the show all the time. <laughs> like whenever I'm not watching it, I just want to be watching it. So yeah, uh man, Great stuff. Okay. So our final story involves uh, an interesting project from A24, uh, the, the indie film distributor, and they are um, working on a project or, or about to release a project called The Beach, which is being described as a continuous streaming experience that lasts for one week. So from November 22nd to November 28th this year, sort of spanning the stretch where Thanksgiving falls. A twenty four is going to be putting this um, this project, the beach, up in their A twenty four screening room, which is like the the digital website on their or the digital component of their website where you can just like rent uh, a movie and watch it for I think it's six dollars. So um, this project, I guess, was a a series in Australia that was released uh, a year or two ago. It was filmed um, back in April and May of twenty nineteen and, and aired on Australian public broadcasting, but uh, the trailer for this is really interesting. Chris, have you had a chance to watch the trailer for The Beach? Did you see this?
1: No, I have not watched it. I, I heard of it yesterday, but I didn't actually watch it.
0: Yeah, it's um. so I'll read the synopsis here. It says, created and directed by one of Australia's most celebrated filmmakers, Warwick Thornton, uh, the beach is the soulful journey of a man who has chosen to give up life in the fast lane and decamp to an isolated beach in an attempt to transform his life through the healing power of nature. Featuring winning performances from an ensemble of nature's finest and Michelin star worthy catch and cook meals, this infinitely looping experience is an exquisitely shot and unexpectedly moving feast for the senses. And it stars this one actor and then (laughs) A24 also lists uh, among the starring cast, quote, three chickens, a dog and a mud crab. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's just a guy out in the beach or like on a beach by completely by himself with these animals. And the trailer is interesting because they call it uh, an infinite trailer and it's essentially three trailers back to back to back. Uh, and they're not quite exactly the same, but they're they're pretty close in terms of tone and, and the vibe of what this thing is. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, it's interesting because for several reasons, one, just the, the nature of a thing that is continuously streaming for multiple days on end is not something that we see every day. Um but also just like the, uh, you know, on a thematic level, on a, on a content level, we've spent the past, what, 19 months or something uh, dealing with this sort of pandemic situation in the world where, you know, a lot of us have been quarantined and, and cooped up during that time. And uh, this project even though it was filmed before the pandemic seems to reflect that sort of sentiment um so the timing of this thing is really interesting uh chris i'm wondering if you've ever heard of a project called the clock that was directed by this guy named christian Markley from this is probably 10 years ago or so where it's a 24-hour movie it, have you ever heard of ben this
1: thing where it's like slowed down or something like that or? uh
0: no it's 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 comprised of a ton of different um like footage from a, a bunch of different movies, so it can never actually be uh, watched in, I guess, uh, or distributed in a real way because of the rights issues. Like, it it pulls from you know thousands of different movies. Um, like, so I, when my wife and I went to to see it, basically they they play it in um, museums as like. Um, an art piece kind of an exhibition kind of thing. So it mm-hmm. it sort of travels around the country occasionally. So if you ever get a chance to, to check that out, I would highly recommend it. Obviously, I mean, very few people have the time to devote the full 24 hours to watching the entire thing. But m- when my wife and I saw it, we dropped by, uh, at, you know, probably 9 PM or something like that. And just watched it for like an hour and a half or something. And, you know, you get to 10 4 PM and that's the time that the lightning strikes the clock tower back to the future. So they, they show that part and then, you know, at 10 5 PM, it's a completely different clip from a totally different movie. And the whole thing is just like, as long as there is a watch or a clock visible in the, the shot, um, that tells you what time it is that that is sort of, uh, the most important thing. And, and, uh, the narrative such as it is, doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's just sort of, uh, maybe a character will open a door and then the next shot will be somebody else opening a door or something like that in a totally different context, but it's a really fascinating project. So really I wanted to, to use this opportunity to talk a little bit about the beach, but also to put that thing or whatever you want to call it uh exhibition on people's radar in case it happens to be coming to your area at some point soon it's, it's really worth checking out so that's neat it um, actually reminds me
1: of um it's this isn't 24 hours long so it's much easier to watch but uh have you heard of this it's called the green fog directed by guy madden no what is that so the green fog is basically guy madden remade vertigo with clips from other movies. So it's like the plot of Vertigo, like the very loose plot and story of Vertigo, but it's all shots and scenes from different older movies cut together. And that's currently... On the Criterion Channel, so you can watch that if you want to. So
0: wow, uh, okay, yeah. so the Green Fog is what it's called. Yes. Oh man, I'm adding that to my list. That sounds really interesting. So, uh, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I did, what about this beach thing, Chris? Are you? Is this something that you're intrigued by? Like six bucks on the the uh, uh, A24 screening room? Is this something you're going to like tune in and check? out? I don't know.
1: Like uh, my, I feel like my OCD wouldn't allow me to enjoy this because. I would need to watch the entire thing. And I, who the hell, <laughs> I, I, that's like impossible. Who can, I would have to sit in my computer for like a full week or whatever. And like, I have, I have problems with stuff like that where it's like, if I can't get the whole thing, I don't want to, like, this is why I don't read comic books because they come out, you know, mm. in issues. And I, I needed to, like, I'll read a, a collection where it's all together, but I can't do it on a weekly basis. Like, like, I need it all at once or else my mind like, will be like, no, you're missing something. So no is the answer. That's my long way of saying, I know I probably won't watch it.
0: Well, maybe you can just watch Danny Boyle's The Beach. and Yes.
1: <laughs> yes is
0: good. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.